go. All righty. Tonight is a special night for us, for the people who just came back from Walsenburg, Colorado, because we get to tell you or show you uh, what we were able to do while we were there. Nineteen of us went on this trip, this fourth year that we've gone. Um, oh, I wanted to. OK, hold on. Whoa, stop. I want to show you the group. There's a group. Nineteen of us went and 14 teams and, and five sponsors. And I'll show you pictures of them before. But we want to say, first of all, thank you to y'all for allowing us to go, the elders for allowing us to go, and for the teens who raised some money to help to, to help defray the cost of going this year. And I'll explain what, what happened with them in just a few moments. We, we had some, uh, some conditions that had to be met by the teens if they wanted to go. They had to attend a certain number of VBS workdays, which they did. I think five, they had to come to at least four. And then they had to raise money for the trip, which they did, wonderfully so. And it had to be their, them raising money, not just saying, Mom and Dad, can you pay for this trip? But they actually had to raise money. And then finally, they um, had to write essays. And I'm going to put a few of the excerpts from some of the essays up here uh, for just a few seconds throughout the pictures. But here's one. Here's a little part of an essay that one of the teens wrote. Over the few years that I have gone on this trip, I've grown to love and miss the kids that come back each year as well as the ones that haven't. And I think about them and pray for them and wonder about them almost daily. I've had the opportunity to meet kids whose stories truly broke my heart, teaching these kids who are often not dealt the kindest, the kindest lives and showing them that God loves them and we love them and that they never, they're never alone makes all the difference. And so this special group of teens um, showed up on a Friday night, on Friday, the, on Friday morning, early Friday morning when it was still dark on Friday the 13th, to take a 16-hour drive to Walsenburg, Colorado. If you go up through North Texas, Tex Line, and you, you turn west and you go to Raton, New Mexico, and go north through Trinidad, the next town in Colorado is, is uh, Walsenburg. It's a small town, and it's a low-income town. A lot, of, a lot of unemployment, and because of that, or in addition to that, a lot, of, a lot of drug use, a lot of broken homes. And that's one of the reasons that we go um, on these trips to, to go take care or to go teach these kids and give them a week. I call, it, I call it three days of paradise for them. Three days of paradise because for three days they come and they're loved on and they're taught and, and they are encouraged and uh, and they they smile a lot in a world where they probably don't, from what we understand, most of them don't get to smile very much. I'm going to show you some pictures and try to explain. Some of our sponsors, David Lehman and Kenny Hall went, um, Brandon Martin, Rebecca Martin, and then myself. I won't show a picture because you're looking at me, and I hate pictures of me. Where's Kathleen? Is Kathleen not here? Okay. I want to thank Kathleen. Um, Krejci for giving me, she took the pictures this year as well as last year, but she gave me the pictures and I told her, don't take pictures of me. And as I'm going through the picture, there are probably 25 or 30 of me. So she definitely broke the rules. Next year, we'll see. When we got to the Church of Christ, we, we got Friday night, we got to the church building, the Church of Christ building in Walsenburg, and we unloaded what we could our luggage and stuff, and the girls went to their house. The girls stay in, in a house kind of a little ways out in the country that 
they all stay there comfortably. There are enough beds. The guys, the, the, the males, most of us sleep in the uh, church building. There's a travel trailer in the parking lot and another one across the street at one of the members' house, and some of the adults get to sleep there. I don't have a picture of my closet, but I, have, I sleep in a little storage closet on a cot, and it's pitch dark down in the basement, and it's awesome, and I love that. Um, <laughs> I put the earplugs in, and it's just t- totally dark, and I go into, uh, into a state of bliss. I want to thank Karis Martin. She was our student director for the year. What we did when we got there, so we got there Friday night, got our stuff in place, and Saturday morning we got up and we started canvassing the town with these with these flyers. And what we did, we would go door to door or yard to yard. A lot of the yards have dogs in them, and we would put those flyers around. And I think we did over 400 this year, 400 and something uh, this year. And so it's, a, it's an effort. And it it was 90-something degrees, but the humidity was hardly anything. And so when there was a breeze, and, and some of the members there were complaining about how warm it was, and we were going, this is paradise. And so we didn't mind the heat at all, but we, we canvassed and throughout the morning and into the afternoon, and then we took a break, and, um, and then we started decorating. after There was a funeral at the building, and we started decorating after the funeral. These are people passing out things. Now, before we came, there was a forest fire in the area called the Spring Creek Forest Fire. And thousands and thousands of acres, square, uh, well, acres and square miles were burned up. But the, the fire itself was, was not too far from Walsenburg. You see Walsenburg right there. Levita is about 16 miles away. And we weren't sure if we were going to be able to go. But wh- when we got there... And we went ahead. The fire, it had rained on the fire. The fire was pretty much contained by the time we got there. But when we got there, there was a wall of boxes in the, in the auditorium that needed to be moved. And these were boxes from disaster relief people. And the, the church building was going to be a center for people to come and get supplies to help clean up their, the places that got burned or, or whatever they needed to do. And so we, we, did, we moved these, these boxes from upstairs to downstairs, the kids did great. The teens, I need to quit calling you kids. And then we started decorating. And that's a group effort. We just kept on decorating and decorating and Blaine's cutting stuff. And then Addie's hanging from the ceiling. And she, and she, I was thinking, I saw this picture. And she always has her heads in the, head in the clouds. And then getting ready for skit practice, getting ready for puppet practice. We're, we're just getting ready for the week. And then finally it comes. And one of the things that I encourage the teens to do is as the kids, at the beginning of the week, we, we, we have worship together on Sunday morning, Sunday evenings. We have, uh, a, usually we go somewhere, but this year we, we just had worship or devotional time together. And then, and then Sunday, Monday morning comes around and there's anticipation. We've been getting ready for this. We've been thinking about this for a year. We've been praying about it and we've getting, we're, we're psyched up and we're emotionally pumped. And then... The time comes and we're wondering, will there be kids this year? And I remember the very first year we went and it was nine o'clock and no one was there. And uh, Madeline reminded me that it was like 930 one time when we finally started because enough kids got there. But here's Michael. I think he was the first kid. I'll tell you about him in just a moment in just a moment. But I encourage the teens once the children get there to start um, 
interacting with the kids. And as they come in, they interact with them and they get to know them and they ask them their names and things about them, their favorite color, you know, if they have brothers and sisters and dogs and cats and on and on. And they find out a lot of things, but they also get attached to them. And it's very fun watching this initiate these these relationships initiated at the beginning of the week. And by the end of the week, pretty much every teen has some kids that are latching on to them and loving them and being loved by them. And it's special to watch. So when VBS starts, obviously you've been to VBS here and you've seen us on Wednesday night for the last couple of years. The kids come in and we sing together and we have some lessons. And that's kind of what happened. We had some activities. Uh, Jackie Todd is teaching outside, teaching activities, showing her muscles, um, showing how strong. But they're singing a song. But our teens, when they get there, I, I think sometimes they're not sure what role they're going to play and sure they're not sure how much leadership they'll be able to show and how much uh, how, how how in charge they'll a- be able to be. But you see people like like I'm picking on you, Jackie, but, but coming in and um, not being sure, but then taking charge. And the kids are responding and the kids are loving what she's doing and the activities that she has planned and, and she has helped. They also have arts and crafts, as just like here. It, what we do, and I don't know if you realize this, but what we do, we have our VBS here, and then we take the same VBS that we've done here during the week, we take it to Walsenburg, and we put the same VBS on for the most part. We, put the, we take decorations from here, we put them up there. And so the activities that we do here, we're going to do there as well, the arts and crafts, the Bible stories that we have. I want to tell you about, and then the snacks. And this is Jeannie. She volunteers every year, and she comes out, uh, comes up to the church building during VBS with some of the other ladies from Walsenburg, and they help out. They do the snacks. But this woman during, and Addie and um, Lauren have stayed with her for two years. I think they stayed with her for two years. And she's so sweet and so generous and so hospitable, but she sent a check this year for gas money for us. Um, they love us coming, and she was so excited for us to come, and, and, she, and we got there, and she just brightened up, and she is, she's a treasure, but here she is uh, helping, helping the uh, children get their snacks. We had, Bible, we had Bible story time, just like we have here, and you see some of our teens being involved in that, and then we have some discussion, and there's that little boy again with the glasses, and I'm going to tell you about him in just a few moments. We have we have all of our teens for the most part are are getting together after after all the classes, after all the activities. And they sit in a circle and they talk about what they learned and they might draw about what they learned or they might um, little act out little things about what they learned. But, man, they learned so much at the beginning of the week. When the children first get there and I think the first day, did we have 24, 25, something like that, 25 kids? They get there and they're kind of timid. They're not sure what's going on. And then I start leading these crazy songs and they're looking at me like, I don't think so. And and they don't know the songs. But I'm telling you, by the end of the week, they're, they're, they're singing out. They're singing out as loudly as they can. And this year I told them, there's a library across the street and I told them, okay, for this next song, we're, we're going to disturb the library. We're going to let the library know that we're here and we're going to say, and man, they, they tried. I don't know if they really believed. Maybe we can disturb them. But man, they were singing and they weren't screaming. They were singing. 
By the end of the week, they, they know the songs and they know the scriptures and they know the stories. And they, then they get to discuss them. Here's some reasons. Here are some reasons why, why we go. Man, didn't think, I, I knew I would be, not be able to get through this, but just look at the faces. And there aren't very many children here in, in these pictures whose parents live together. And a lot of them live with their grandparents or, or, or foster families. And, and, and you can tell on their faces how special three days are. Here's, here's another excerpt from one of the essays. I learn from the kids themselves. I am always amazed and humbled by their simple faith and open trust. We tell them about Jesus and they believe it wholeheartedly. I love how natural it is for them. It's a, it's a treasured time for our teens. It's a time of growth. It's a time of understanding what the world is like and how blessed they are to have family. I looked around the circle at, at one point one evening, on Wednesday evening after the program, we were sitting around and I noticed all of the children, teens, all of the teens who went with us, their parents are together. And most of the kids that we encountered, their parents aren't together. And, and some of them told stories. One of them said, I had, I've had two moms and they both died. One of them said, my mom's in rehab and my dad's in prison. Things like that. And, and um, you're giving them three days of paradise. Some other faces. Some other faces. And then an excerpt. I want to make sure every child leaves the Colorado VBS with the key to happiness under their arm and in the feelings of, and the feelings of belonging and value in their heart. I want to change their lives and show them that no matter what any superhero can do, God is the only one you can rely on. And he is the only one that saves. And the kids learn this. And our teens learn how to convey this. And it's, I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing to watch at the beginning of the week on, on Saturday morning, actually, them go from being these teenagers that we've just hauled, I don't know how many, 16 hours in a van, and they're tired, but they start working. And that you watch them grow and grow and grow. And by the end of the week, they're powerhouses of information, of love and encouragement and boldness and zeal. And they're working together, and it's an amazing thing to watch. Here's some more faces. Now, the boy down at the bottom, he's been in several pictures. His name's Michael. And he's dressing up. He starts dressing up for BBS. But he's wearing this cape, and he's got these, these, these awesome glasses that he's wearing. When he was dropped off, well, I want to show you the picture before. I want to get to him, and I'll back up. When he was dropped off, there, Mike, there's Michael. He was dropped off by his grandparents, I think, right? And they've warned us. He's a biter. He, he'll bite you. And then the statement was made. Someone said, have a good day. And they said, oh, we will now that we got rid of him. He's a biter. He's trouble. He's, he's just be careful of him. Doesn't look like a biter to me. Looks like a hugger. Looks like a hugger. And he was so sweet and so happy and so thankful. 
uh, for us to be there. I don't know if anyone got out of there, any of us got out of there without getting a hug from Michael. So if we wonder if it's worth it, you know, absolutely. If, if one child like, like Michael, who's labeled a biter and a mean kid, has a week like this and gets to hold on to people who love him, yeah, it's worth it. I want to read to you some other, some other, another one of these excerpts. A lot of these kids feel inferior and worthless. And we know that because we talk to them about it. And they share those feelings with us. It's hard to take and hard to accept uh, at times because we're shocked. This goes on. They need to know that someone loves them and someone cares. They need someone they can trust and someone to show them where to find the strength. The Bible. These children um, are being loved and, and they're loving, loving on. I don't know if you can see Cameron is taking care of this one child while he's wrestling this other boy. And this other boy, he just stayed with him as hard as he could, even though he was getting pummeled. And then I think Parker tried to, yeah, Parker tried to get him as well. And they were able to wrangle him down to where he had a, I mean, he was having a great time as well. This is just one of the groups uh, of, of the kids. These aren't all the kids, but, but we had a good, so, so we have three days just like here in the morning. And then we have a program Wednesday night and we had a great turnout. And so many of the church members came, but I think the majority of the people were parents grandparents, relatives of the children, and a lot of the, most of the children came back from Wednesday night. And what happens is when they show up initially in the first morning, they, we fill out their information. And so we have information about their parents, their phone numbers, their addresses, their siblings, and then we make copies of those. So we brought copies of those home with us, but we also leave the originals with the preacher, Jesse, and with, with the hope that he will go through them and the members will reach out to these people. We had, we had, I think we had an average of 27 kids this year. When we got to services, uh, when we had services on Sunday morning in Walsenburg, I think there were 60 people all together. 19 of us were there. And then they said they had a lot of members, but I noticed there was about 20 26 people the Sunday before. We had more children and adults in the building on VBS during VBS than they had on Sunday worship. And so hopefully they're encouraged to reach out. And I'm impressed by the preacher there, Jesse. He, he um, I think he's semi-retired. He drives a truck, but he's also their preacher. And as people from the community were coming in the night of the program, he would get, tell me their names, tell me their backgrounds, He's, he's been suffering from cancer. He just got laid off. She just out of rehab and he knew them. And that's very encouraging. And it's so exciting to see. The first year, I think I told you that we had 13 to 16. One of the things that, that I love about going to Colorado is watching our young men step up. And I saw that this year. In, in several of our young men. And one of the things that I've asked them to do for the last for three years before this year was prepare. They were to prepare lessons, which they presented on Sunday night at 
a couple of congregations, two years in Trinidad down the road and one year in Alamosa to the west of us. And this year, Trinidad, they just lost their preacher in Alamosa. They just lost their preacher and there wasn't any way that we, no one to contact. And I did contact someone in Trinidad, but it didn't work out. So we didn't have a place to go, but we invited members to come back Sunday evening and then uh, we had some lessons, and Nolan Tidwell gave the first, no, Joseph gave the first lesson, and then Nolan gave the second lesson. The next night, we had a devotional time. And so what's getting ready to happen in just a few moments is Nolan will come up and bring a lesson, the lesson that he brought in Colorado. And then following him, Joseph Luna will be coming up, and he will offer the invitation, and we'll stand together. So Nolan, give your attention to Nolan, please. to decrease and to increase God within ourselves. And how can we accomplish this? Well, to start, let's look at where this scripture is found. If you'll turn with me to John 3, verse 25. It says that there were some of John's disciples and Jews who disagreed about purification. They came to John the Baptist and asked him about it. And John answered to them and said in verse 27, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. And further down he says, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, I must decrease. John knew that he was not the Christ, and he didn't want people to think that he was. He wanted simply to serve the Lord and to do his work while giving all the glory to Jesus. He was happy with being the bridegroom's friend and rejoicing in the voice of Christ. John knew that Jesus was worth increasing, so he decreased himself to let Christ increase. He wanted all of us to realize that instead of being self-obsessed and focus on earthly things as well as yourself, we should be decreasing and, let, and letting God increase in us. But how do we do this? How can we de decrease this earthly self which is obsessed or concerned with us and the part that makes everything about me and that part that's worried about the physical things in this world? And how can we truly focus on and fill ourselves with God? Well, you can start with scripture. God inspired 40 men to write this book as a guide for us. Following it allows us to go closer to him. So what better way to fill ourselves with God than by reading his word? In 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correction, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. An excellent example of putting this scripture into action is when Jesus had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan approached him with temptations. And what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. He used the word to guard his heart and his mind, therefore shielding himself from temptation. Jesus used scriptures to lessen those human desires that we all have. Reading and hungrily devouring God, God's word each day can help us decrease so he can increase. Secondly, we need to resist pursuing prideful desires. John, again, is an excellent example of this. He came before the Messiah and gathered disciples in preparation for Christ's coming. He was the top man for a while, preaching the word and gathering disciples, as well as baptizing a multitude of people. But when Jesus finally showed up, John didn't try to make himself look good. 
He turned it all over to Jesus. And again, we can refer to John 3, verse 28, where John says, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. You most, oh, He most certainly could have kept going and made himself look really good. But he chose to step down and to give the glory to God, who deserves it. John 3, verse 31 says, He who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. John compared himself to the friend of the bridegroom, the bridegroom being Jesus, and he understood that he needed to decrease himself that he could make it so that he could make it about Christ. If you had a friend that was getting married, you try your best to make it special for them, right? It's all about them, not you. They're in the spotlight and they're the stars of the show. If you jumped in and started making it all about you, that'd be incredibly rude. John understood that it wasn't all about him, but it was about the Messiah. John the Baptist was imprisoned and killed because he preached and baptized in the name of the Lord. That is the definition of decreasing ourselves. He gave everything he had in service to God. We've got to learn how to move out of the way and let Jesus shine through us. The third way we can decrease ourselves to increase God is by giving up our time. Sacrifice our activities or whatever we may have been, whatever we may have been doing to serve him and attend worship services. I'm sure many of you have lots of other things you could be doing instead of being here tonight. But we all decided to give up those things to be here. To come here and to learn more about and worship our God. Hebrews 13 verse 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Good examples of this are coming to Sunday or Wednesday night services, going on mission trips or helping with service projects, or teaching a lesson. We're decreasing ourselves by giving up our time or skipping whatever activities we may have had in exchange for serving in devotion to God. Other such sacrifices we can make are physical possessions, such as opening up our homes for a devotional or giving our car for transportation or giving to the church in contribution. Those are just a few ways we can decrease ourselves to increase God. When it comes down to it, we should all do our best to try and follow John's example, because if we eliminate ourselves with our earthly antics and our self-obsessiveness and fill up with the Lord and let him shine through us, we can all lead better lives and lead others to Christ more easily, because they will see that light shining through us and they'll see that we're different. Good evening. We have plenty of ways, or plenty of examples, I should say, in the Bible of God and his love for us. And that is exactly what I'll be talking about in this lesson. Just as Nolan said, we should decrease while God increases, and that is an example of our love to him. But let's check about some examples that God has, that we have in the Bible of God and his love for us. So, Throughout the history of mankind, we have excellent examples of God's love, and it's unlike any other on the face of the earth. From back then to right now today, unlike us humans whose love may sway or change convictions or even doubt, God's love is absolute and beyond our comprehension entirely. Well, the first place I'm going to look at is John chapter 17, verses 20 through 24. And this is when Jesus prays for all believers right before his arrest in Gethsemane. And it reads, I do not pray for these alone, but for also those in the future who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be 
one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as much as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. This shows God's love for us in several ways. The first way is, well, Jesus prayed for us before he was put on the cross. And the anxiety he must have had, must have had before being put on the cross must have been immense. The pain, the persecution, he knew exactly what he was going to go through. And for him to stop and pray for us still was a sign and a showing of his love. And even though we can't fully grasp or comprehend exactly how great God's love for us is, we can see examples throughout the entire Bible. And another example that we can see in this passage is God is willing to dwell with us despite our imperfections. We as humans make plenty of mistakes, but because God forgives us and because he loves us so much, he is willing to forgive us and allow us to live here on earth and be able to experience the opportunities that he's given to us. And another example I have of God's love can be found in the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 34. It's a short verse, but it's very powerful, and it reads, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. So even while Jesus was on the cross, being persecuted, feeling the pain and anguish that we put him through, he was able to ask for us to be forgiven because we didn't know what we were doing. And that should mean a lot to us because it's so hard for us humans to be able to do that ourselves and to humble ourselves and say, even though this person is doing me wrong or these people are doing me wrong, I want them to be forgiven. And it's a good example of God's love for us, especially on a cross being persecuted by the same people he loved. And it'd be hard for us to do the same while persecuted. I also want to mention that Jesus didn't retaliate while on the cross. There were plenty of people who mocked him and rebuked him, but nevertheless, he accepted his fate on the cross and dying and being persecuted. And that's something that is unlike any other that we could ever um, think of or anything that would ever come to mind, the amount of love he has for us. And the last example I'd like to bring to mind is in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 37 through 39. And this is the description of God's everlasting love. And it says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If there wasn't any other passage that convinced you that God loved us, it should be this one right here. Because it outright says 
just how much God loves us. And it's so hard for us to comprehend just how much. And like it said, there's not any height nor depth nor any other created thing that we can think of or that can come to our imagination that can separate us from the love of God. And that should show us just how much we mean to him. So the very least we could do as humans is just to be able to follow the words that he's given to us and obey his will. And from these examples and many others throughout the New and Old Testament, we could see clearly the blood that he shed on the cross. We could see the sweat in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we could see tears um, that Jesus shed for us as well, like when Lazarus died. He was a friend of Jesus. But overall, the boundless love shown for us is far more than we should deserve as humans and the gifts bestowed upon us. And I'd like for us to be able to take that into consideration in the mind. And uh, we're going to offer the invitation tonight, and that's for anybody who feels as though they might need prayers for anything they might be struggling through, or maybe just to have the congre congregation pray for them, or if, if there's anything that needs to be prayed about. And it's also for those who want to follow Jesus, for those who want to have a change of heart, for those who want to be able to obey him and live for Jesus and be able to be saved and experience his love for us. So if it, uh, I pr <laughs> if you will, please uh, stand and sing. <laughs>